If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild podcast, everyone. Last week, I really enjoyed getting to talk with a few of you in our first ever live Q&A. That was a lot of fun for me, and I really appreciate all those questions that came in. We covered a lot of different topics, and so I really thank you guys for, for calling in and just getting to chat a little bit about hunting. Now, this week, we're going to be switching gears, and when it comes to pulling off a successful stock, there's just a lot of things that need to go right. It can be very difficult, but I believe that when it comes to stock planning, timing probably is one of the most important factors. I really like to take what I think of as a high percentage stock. So one that when I leave my position from where I spotted, I, I truly believe that I'm going to be able to get in close and make that shot. And in order to do that, we really need to make one of two decisions. The decision is move now or wait for a better opportunity. Over the next few episodes, we're going to be diving into these tactics and help you better understand what to look for when it comes to making a stock plan and identifying when is that best time to make your move. This week, we're gonna cover when you should wait for that better opportunity and what kind of stock is ideal. But before we do that, I wanna share the story of an opportunity worth waiting for when chasing a bull tar in New Zealand with my bow. When I think about picking high percentage stocks, one story definitely comes to mind. And it's fairly timely because I've, I've been thinking about New Zealand a lot lately. Normally I'd be down there this time of year, but we've been kind of locked out for oh, quite a few years now, since 2020. So I'm kind of missing that interaction, getting to hunt the mountains of New Zealand. I spent a long time down there from essentially quite a few years, about 13 years from you know March through June every year going down and uh, hunting the the South Pacific fall season. And as we got later into the year, you know, tar was definitely one of the highest things on my list. Of course, chasing red deer is a lot of fun, redding fallow deer, but tar was just the one thing that actually drove me to New Zealand in the first place. Uh, just the idea of being able to go out and, you know, take a bow or take a rifle and hunt these mountain animals in some really extreme conditions was like the thing that got me really fired up and it's something that I still you know daydream about this time of year especially normally I'd be maybe gearing up for this kind of hunt and uh now I'm just kind of I was actually going through photos the other day and just thinking about some of the awesome times that I've had down there and one story kind of really stuck out in my mind and it was 
one of the first times that I actually started chasing tar with a bow, I'd, I'd been successful with a rifle um, on multiple trips and thought, man, okay, I'm going to take my bow and see if I can get one of these. Because at the time, when I first started going down there, I didn't hear of a lot of people bow hunting for tar. Uh, there definitely were people that did, but to go out free range, you know, essentially public land DIY type hunting, especially as a foreigner, and then go out bow hunting. Um, there's a few guys that I'd run into from Australia doing it, but it just wasn't super popular at the time. I think, you know, it, and because of that, there wasn't a lot of information on it either. So I had to kind of learn as I, as I went along and, and what it took to be successful. And one of the things about TARS, whatever you're hunting, I like to figure out their habits. They're kind of the little thing that makes them tick, the things that they kind of do consistently and try to exploit that as a weakness. Now, when I first started tar hunting, I would see, I'd be glassing in the morning, I'd see them down feeding, and then they'd start moving up toward the cliffs, and I would be like, all right, let's go. And I'd start chasing them up there, losing sight, going up these super steep mountains. By the time I got up there, they were up in these places that I physically couldn't get to. Like, even if I had climbing gear, I probably couldn't get to. It'd just be too dangerous or, you know, in a place that I just couldn't reach. And then at the end of the day, they would oftentimes move back down. I start feeding. So I started kind of using this ambush tactic where I'd get set up. On this particular day, I started out glassing like it did normally, but I found this area where it was a lot easier to get in on the tar from above. Like it was very hard to sneak in on them from below because they had such a commanding view. They could always go up higher, but if I could find places where I could get above them and then sneak down on them, it was like very rarely would I not make that stock work. So I, this particular day, I had my bow and I was glassing and I'm watching this group of tar move up from the bottom. And instead of going, okay, you know, I'm gonna, just going to go after them and try to make a stock and try to cut them off as they get to the cliffs. I'm just going to be patient, watch where they go, make a plan for the evening. So I start watching this one bull and I'm watching him and he goes up and, I, and there's this area that I know that I can get around on the top. So I'm, I'm really focused. I actually saw multiple tar, but I'm like, I'm going to focus on the one that I know that I can probably get in from above. So he's moving and he, and he goes and I watch and he just disappears. I'm like, ooh, okay. He bedded in the tussock. And the tussock's like these, um, uh, it's, it's a species of grass. And it can be about, uh, about knee high, sometimes higher. And when a tar beds down in that stuff, it's just like they disappear. It's like a mule deer in really tall sage. Like they just vanish. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is my opportunity. Very rarely was, would they bed somewhere where I could get to you know, a lot of times they'd go to like cliffs that were just nearly inaccessible. So by just sitting there and watching him, not moving in after him, had I moved in after him, I would have completely lost sight of him. So I, I marked that location in my mind, just started making my move, made a big long trek. It took me nearly most of the day to get over there. And luckily the wind was like perfect. The wind was going up the hill. So I had kind of pinpointed a couple rock outcroppings that I was using just kind of as like a waypoint, if you will. And this is like before I had really good ability to like drop a pin on anything. It's just, you, know, you just kind of had to hunt from what you saw. And when you're in this country, it's super steep. I mean, it's nearly vertical type stuff. And in order to like, once you got on that hillside, everything looked really different because you can only see so far in front of you. But I actually took a picture from where I was sitting at across the valley. So I kind of pin, like look back at that. Uh, photo and say, oh, okay, I remember passing this, you know, landmark, this landmark. Okay, I'm getting pretty close. So I just started to creep down. Like, I stalked to that spot. Like, all right, the animal's still there. I'm just going to keep stalking. So 
I keep stalking, keep stalking, and just looking and nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm just moving really, really slow, stalking in. And sure enough, I see that black color of his bedded body and his horns sticking up above the grass. Perfect. So I keep moving in and just crawling in to where he can't see me and get set up, peak up range like 35 yards. Sweet, this is perfect. Now I've got the decision. Okay, what do I do? Do I try to get him to stand up? And like maybe pitch a rock down below and maybe get him to stand up and be able to take a shot? Or do I just wait and hope that the thermals don't switch and the wind doesn't blow it out? Well, I thought about doing the rock thing, but a few weeks earlier, I tried the rock thing and it didn't work. It worked miserable. <laughs> I was throwing little rocks to try to get the tar to get up. It didn't actually get him up. And then all of a sudden... I think the like the sound of me throwing it spooked him out of there, and he just ran out. He was maybe twenty yards away, and he ran out full speed, and it was pretty good bull, and ended up not getting a shot. So I thought this time I'm gonna wait. So I waited, 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 and I started. It started to get later in the day, and I'm thinking he's gonna get up and start feeding, but I don't want those thermals to start dropping. The wind was coming uphill, which is pretty lucky. But as soon as that shade was gonna hit, I knew those thermals were gonna go down. So I was getting a little bit antsy, but. He ended up standing up. Some of the there was actually a lot more tar in there than I had seen. I, there must have been some. I guess by the time I'd seen that one, there was already some bedded there, and I think that there's a couple nannies bedded in there, and that's probably why he just decided to bed in that spot. So I'm sitting above him. He pops up. I, I wait for him to kind of start moving off. He starts feeding. I give him a range. I, I draw out of sight. Slowly stand up, anchor in, and let that arrow fly. I hit the bull, and he just runs down the mountain and i was really thankful for the time that i'd spent but waited to see okay instead of stalking that bull and trying to get ahead of him as he was moving up even though i knew i could get around i waited and watched to see what would happen sure enough he bedded down and had i not known exactly where he bedded i would have never taken my first bull tar with a bow When it comes to stock planning, we're really just waiting for a high percentage chance. So I like to think of it when I leave wherever I'm glassing from and that animal is where I think it's at or where, where I know it is, what, no matter what it's doing, whether I'm planning an ambush, whether I'm moving in on a bedded animal, whether I'm trying to cut something off, when I leave my spot of glassing, I like to think in my head, okay, I have a very high likelihood, like I've stacked the odds in my favor. If we were playing Texas Hold'em, I wouldn't be going all in on a on a random ace two. You know, I'd be going all in on pocket aces. And what I'm thinking of is I want the highest statistical probability of me winning as opposed to, um, you know, going after an animal and then potentially blowing it out and not having another opportunity. And, and it depends on the area and everything, of course. But I really look for those high percentage chances. But in order to determine how that's going to play out, we first have to understand the conditions, the animal that we're pursuing, and maybe the next moves that that animal might take. So I kind of think of it like this. I like to play it as a chess game where if I see an animal, I've got this, I I kind of sit and let's say we're glassing, right? I've got this wait-go decision where sometimes you have to go immediately. You see an animal, it's like now is the time that you need to go. But then there's also this time where you see an animal and you think, okay, I might have to wait. Right now is not the 
perfect opportunity. Maybe you, you supposed to go with mule deer because they seem to be, you know, something that is very spot and stock prone. Or let's say we're mule deer hunting with a bow, right? We see a mule deer out on this phase. It's morning time and it's feeding out in just this big open area. And you go, okay, well, the thermals are starting to move up the hill. The wind's moving one direction, so the wind's kind of swirly. The deer's out in the open, and it's a pretty dry hillside. There's maybe a lot of other deer between that deer and the deer that I am, or where I'm at, or the approach that I would have to take to get the wind right. And I think to myself, that's a really low percentage chance that I can move in there. I don't have any cover. I don't have the wind right. I don't have really good conditions for stalking this buck. But I know that things are going to change as the day progresses. That deer is going to have to do something. Um, he's going to have to bed at some point, right? He's going to have to get out of the sun, get into some shade. And that might give me a better opportunity. He might not be moving around as much. He'll be in a permanent location. And maybe the wind will settle down and I can move in the middle of the day when the thermals are really rising and the wind's really consistent. And that'll give me a higher percentage of stocking him than when he's just out in the open when things are really not ideal for stocking this particular buck. So then in that case, I would sit there and I'd say, okay, things aren't ideal right now, but I know that conditions are going to change. And I'm going to watch this deer to where he puts himself in a position that gives me the advantage. So when I'm, when I'm thinking about all these things, I like to first ask myself kind of a series of questions and that'll help me decide, okay, do I wait or do I go? And one of the first things is I like to think about what's the deer doing now and what are the conditions right now? Is this a low percentage stocking opportunity because the conditions just aren't right? Is it something where, man, the wind's wrong? That's the first thing that I'm gonna think about. Okay, is the wind right? Um, is there nowhere to stock to and no available cover? Am I not going to be able to get in unseen? Am I not going to be able to get in unheard? Is there other things in the way? It's like, okay, maybe there's a big herd of does in the only area that I can move in from that's not really going to make it opportune. Or is it something where it's like, this deer is feeding right now in the morning and he's going to have to move to bedding and I don't know uh, where he might be bedding to. I don't know where he's going to go. He can go a, a bunch of different directions. And if I leave now, I'm going to lose sight of this deer and I'm not going to be able to, to know exactly where he went. Or another thought is, okay, what are the conditions right now for the way you're hunting? Are you hunting by yourself? Or do you have somebody spotting there that can maybe guide you in later? Is it something where if you lose sight of this deer and he's moving, you're going to probably lose him? These are all the kinds of questions that I first start to ask myself. So obviously the first one is what's the wind doing when you think about planting a stock you need a lot of things to go right the wind is probably going to be the one thing that busts you more than anything else so if the wind isn't right then the stock isn't even worth doing i i don't ever think that i can just trick the wind i can have the wind going at my back toward an animal and i'm going to be okay that rarely rarely works out maybe sometimes there's like a weird thermal thing going on where this your sense just drafting straight into the air or you've somehow managed to find one animal deer elk whatever that has no sense of smell but if you're banking on that you're going to be blowing a lot of stocks and it sounds silly you're like oh yeah of course get the wind right and if the wind isn't right then that's not the stock or the time to make a stock but when i'm out there hunting and maybe i'm just by myself or just observing other people hunting i see it happen all the time especially when it comes to calling elk and some, an elk will bugle down in a canyon below 
and somebody will be like, oh, I'm going after it. They drop down in there and the wind is just at their back and then they get 200 yards away and then they all stop bugling and they're like, whoa, what happened? I had everything right. Uh, I mean, that bull was fired up. I must have made a weird call and he didn't like it. Or maybe that elk's call shy and it's like, no, that elk just smelled you and didn't work out because you didn't take the right approach. So the first thing that I always think about is the wind because you aren't going to get in on an animal if you don't have the wind. Now, the other thing is understanding, well, what's that, what's that animal doing and where might he go? Now, if the animal's up on its feet, right, or maybe it's not even up on its feet, but maybe it's a mule deer that just took its first bed for the day. It fed and it bed, but bedded, but it's probably going to need to move again. If you, during this stock, am I going to have to, if I need to pull this stock off correctly, am I going to lose sight of the animal? And if I lose sight, will I lose where they go? Will I be kind of stalking in blind? Um, that's just going to depend on the topography, where you're at and where the animal you spotted at. But it's definitely something to think about. Is my best approach going to mean that I need to lose sight of this animal if I'm by myself and I lose sight? Is there a high likelihood that they won't be where I last saw them? So that kind of goes into the next thing I think about is are they moving or are they stationary? You know, if I spot a, a, a deer that's moving and he's moving and he's like heading toward um, who knows where, right? He's feeding, he's moving around. It's like, well, he's going to have to do something next. Uh, and, I'm, and I move out of sight, I'll probably lose him. And I probably won't be able to pull off a high percentage stock because the odds of me finding exactly where that deer are after I've made a move are going to be low percentage. I've probably have already messed it up. So it's better in that case for me to sit back, wait, and watch and see what happens. See where he goes to a place where, okay, now he bedded down. Now the animal did this or did that. They're more content. And I believe that I have enough time to get in position and make a good stock. Now, the thing that I always think about when it comes to stock planning is what's the next move? What's the animal going to do next? So I like to think about it like this. Uh, in that scenario where we've got the mule deer in the open feeding, right? He's out in the open. It's morning. The sun just came up, and we've got this deer on the hillside across from us. Well, what's the next logical step for him? Well, that deer's probably going to go bed down. And what happens many times is, yeah, they might have been up feeding before sunup even. So they've been feeding and they're going to go sit down and just bed for a little bit. Well, the deer goes and beds and there's maybe one tree, right? And he beds and the sun's coming up and he's in the shade for a little bit, right? Well, what's going to happen next? Well, I got to think, what? well, the sun's moving. So if the sun moves, is where that deer's bedded now a good enough permanent bed where he's going to stay in shade all day? And I look at it and go, there's no way, right? There's, It's not enough cover the way the sun's moving, that deer's just doing a temporary bed, right? So he might bed in it for 15 minutes, he might bed in it for an hour, but I know that he's gonna be moving at some point to a more permanent place. And I look at the hill and I go, okay, well, over here is a really thick patch of timber and over here is a really thick patch of timber. And that would provide more permanent shade for a long, maybe say it's a hot early season August day. So. I know that he's going to move, and if I were to go make a stock right now, then I would probably lose him and not know where he went. So I can continue to wait and watch and see, okay, where's this deer going? And maybe what's a logical next move? Is he going to come back out that same way? Same with elk. Like if you're watching elk way off in the distance feeding in the morning in an area that's covered in timber, and then they're feeding in this open meadow, and then they move off and they go into the timber, well, then I know, okay, I've got a good idea of they're probably going to come back out to that same meadow later. It'd be better for me to wait 
and make a plan based on that where I have time to get there, time to plan it out, wait for them to come back in the evening and try to push it into an area where I can't see and don't know where they're at, a low percentage stock. So I'm exchanging that low percentage action for a high percentage action just by waiting and see what they do. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was hunting with a friend, mule deer hunting. And it was a very similar scenario where there was a very big deer out feeding and that deer went to the first patch of small trees embedded down. And I'm like, my buddy's like, okay, what should I do? How should I stalk him? I'm like, let's just wait. Let's watch him. I said, what I would do is like, I can, I could guide you in, but if I were you, I would go to like this particular area. There wasn't a lot of other options for permanent bedding. There was like another patch of trees a little further up the mountain, kind of on the other side, right on the ridge, maybe 600 yards from where the buck was bedded. And I said, I would go and sit in that patch right there and just wait because he's going to move from this particular spot. And this guy was like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, he's bedded, and we're watching him. And it's like, I was like, I just go go get in those that other patch. He's like, yeah, but he's bedded right here. I can make that stock. I'm like, all right, by the time you get over there, that deer's going to move. And he's like, ah, I'm just going to go stock him. Okay, okay. You know, so he goes over, goes to start stalking, starts stalking toward the tree. He gets about 200 yards away. It had been about maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Now about 45 minutes from when that deer bedded down. Sure enough, that buck gets up and just starts walking. And my buddy's out in the open. And it's just like, man, this sucks. You know, I think he laid down the deer's, I don't know, 250, 300 yards away and walks right to that patch of trees. And I was like, you should probably go sit in those trees. But what I was doing is I was looking for that next move ahead. I knew that where he was, he would have to move. I didn't believe that there was enough time to pull off a, a silent, um, slow steady approach to where the deer was at that point and uh there was more permanent bedding further up so just looking at those few moves ahead told me okay either wait and see where he actually beds for the day or go set up and wait in a different location and then because of there i was there and i could have sat and waited and seen where he bedded instead of trying to stalk down and move in on him once that deer got up then the wind was wrong and the deer blew out uh, so it ended up not working out. We never saw that buck again. It was a really good deer. And it was one of those deer that's like, man, you might only get one opportunity. You need that one opportunity. You need to make that stock successful. And that's the hard part about it sometimes is you've got to find those stocks where you believe, okay, I've got the highest likelihood of this working out for me when I move in so I don't blow it. Another thing to think about is whether you have time. Do you have time to make that stock? I don't know how many times I've seen let's see in like especially with elk elk in the morning out feeding or with those tarts like you see those tar feeding in the morning do i have time to get to the position where i i want to to move now or should i just wait and see what they do and maybe make a better stock plan a little bit later now another thing to factor in is what's the hunting pressure in the area you, you think about waiting and you go okay well um I'm going to wait for a better opportunity. But if there's a lot of hunting pressure, you might not be able to wait for that better opportunity. If there's very minimal hunting pressure, then you go, okay, there's no real reason that this animal might get spooked out of this particular area. So I might be able to wait even longer than maybe just that day. I might be able to wait a day or two or try to figure this animal out a little bit better. I might have to do a lot of watching, maybe wait for a better opportunity another deer or maybe wait for a better opportunity at this particular animal I'm hunting because I have the time and I know that the hunting pressure isn't going to blow them out. Now, if I believe that the hunting pressure is going to blow them out, then that's going to change maybe the timing that I put into planning this stock. 
whenever I spot an animal, there's so many times where you, you spot something, right? And you're like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what you're hunting with. Rifle, bow, muzzleloader. I mean, it, it just compounds when you're hunting with a bow because you have to get so much closer. You can generally move sooner when you're hunting with a rifle when it comes to bow hunting or maybe muzzleloader hunting. You have to, like, wait for that better option. There, there's so many times where things aren't right and you go to yourself, man, this is something that I'm going to be having trouble avoiding. There's not a good approach. There's not an approach where uh, when it comes to thinking about where I'm stalking to that I can get in unseen. You know, one of the things when it comes to stock planning is I like to think about not only where the animal is, but where I can get a shot from. So if I'm archery hunting and I know I've got to get within 30 yards, I need to get within 30 yards kind of unseen. So I need some kind of block for the eye that we talked about in an earlier podcast. Um, I'm going to need to be able to draw out of sight. So I look at the area I'm like, okay, there's a deer bedded. Is there somewhere within that? bow range that whatever my comfortable range is that I can use as an obstruction is there going to be an unseen approach or is that animal facing the one unseen approach is the wind coming wrong for the approach that I want to make is this just a bad idea and is there a better option if I wait and say the deer's bedded and I was like well he's stationary but I know that he might come out feeding would it be better to wait for him to come out feeding than to stalk him while he's bedded when I don't have a good approach? Can I get set up somewhere and maybe try an ambush tactic? I'm always thinking about, is there that better option? Is there something that I can't trick in those senses of his ears, his eyes, and his nose? Now, if I believe that, man, it's going to be very difficult to trick those, but there is an option to do it, that's when I know, okay, this is a stock that I can pull off. This is maybe a higher percentage than some of the other stocks available. So I'm going to then wait, and once I get that particular scenario, make my stock. If you're asking like, okay, well, this is all good, but what are you waiting for? What I'm waiting for is the deer to make a mistake. There's been a lot of hunts where, it doesn't even matter what you're hunting, deer, elk, antelope, where you're, you're hunting and you're like, okay, I just need that animal to make one mistake. Now, I might be able to watch him for a long period of time and say, okay, let's say it's a, especially, this works really well when it comes to more open country hunting because you don't really lose sight of them. Uh, and that's something, you know, you have to factor into this, whether I'm going to wait or whether I'm going to go now. And we are going to talk about those times where you move now. I would say in my successful stocks, it's about 50-50, whether I choose to wait for a better opportunity or whether I just say, okay, now is the time that I need to make a move because I'm not going to find this animal again. I'm going to lose him. Something's going to go wrong in the process. And if I wait, then I'm losing him. So that's one thing that I like to factor in is like, if I wait, will I lose the animal that I'm hunting? Or if I move now, will I lose the animal that I'm hunting? Is this what I'm waiting for? If I wait, is there going to be a higher percentage opportunity to be successful? Am I going to find a time where he makes a mistake? Maybe he's out feeding, the wind's good, everything's right, but you start looking around and you go, man, there's not a lot of really good bedding options for this particular deer. I've got a good view and I have the, the ability to maybe wait. Okay, so I wait, I wait, and then he goes and beds below a rock with the wind coming up the mountain and he's that's the only shade that he's got and i say jackpot uh, i mean i could probably walk in there with my pack on my boots on humming a tune and probably still take that deer it's a very high percentage stock i have a good solid approach everything's right 
and he made a mistake. And that's going to allow me a, a really good opportunity to be successful. By, by pinpointing those types of stocks, I found a lot of success over the years doing things that are very difficult. I know it's like people see the solo hunter stuff and like, how do you sneak in maybe twice on a deer with a bow and a camera and do all this stuff? And it's because I've gotten good at picking really high percentage stocks. Now I might see a deer and say, it right now is not a good time to stock this deer and maybe wait a day, two days. Um, if I believe that I can find that deer again now, you know, especially when you're trying to pinpoint and target one particular deer, maybe it's a, a really big deer, or maybe you're just saying like, ah, I'd like to get a, a nice mature buck. Um, you might have to wait a little bit longer for those particular scenarios to line up where you go, okay, he bedded in a spot by himself. He's got the winds good enough for an approach for me. He put himself in somewhere where it's like, it's still very difficult, but he made one mistake. Instead of having three strengths, he's only got two now. I feel like I can trick those other two and look out for that other one. Um, that's one thing that I like to think about is, okay, if I wait, can I get that high percentage stock where it allows me a little bit more ability to be successful as opposed to then alerting him that I'm there and blowing him out of the area? Honestly, not every situation demands that you wait. Probably more often than not, you're going to spot an animal and you just have to make a move. And procrastination might be that thing that allows the animal to get away. So next week, we're going to cover the times that you should move and probably move now. It might be the difference between success or watching them slip away forever. I really just thank you guys. I wanted to take a quick second um, to read some of the comments. I just wanted to say... Thank you guys, everyone, for this left a comment. There's, I, I'm reading some of these from um, iTunes, where you know if you it depends wherever you listen. I, everybody listens somewhere different. So if there's an ability to leave a comment, feel free drop a comment, drop a rating. I really appreciate that. Uh, I just figured I'd pick a few off of here. There's so many good ones. I just thank you guys so much for the kind words. Uh, Fly guy says he's back. Man, I love Remy's podcast. So glad he's back. Such good info in organized and appropriately sized portions. I love how he spends time on the nuances, the little things that can make all the difference between success and tag soup. Sir F2020 says, welcome back. Great first episode. Look forward to continued great tips, tactics, and overall content. And then Christopher Lara says, episode one, hide and seek. This tactic for hunting brought me back to when I was a child and watching my kids go and do the same. Or when you first play peekaboo with a newborn. The tactic of, if I can't see you, you can't see me. Almost as if you're putting your hands over your eyes to get closer to the deer. A great step in hunting to be that much closer to being successful. A great start to an excellent new podcast for you, Remy. Can't wait to see what's next. Thanks again, everyone. I really appreciate those comments. If you guys uh, feel free to leave, you know, whatever you want about the episodes, you know, maybe even throw a question in there. I'm going to try to read through a few of the comments every once in a while. So thank you guys so much for leaving those comments. Like I said, next week we're going to be talking about, okay, what's the go decision? When do I make that decision to go? What are the scenarios in which I need to make a stock now and not be so patient where it's like okay now's the time to make a move and how to be successful doing that because 
there's just so many scenarios out there that you might encounter. You go, well, which one do I want to make? I don't want you to fall into that paralysis by analysis, but I want you to understand, okay, this isn't the right scenario. I need to wait. I need to be more patient, and I'll be rewarded for that. Sooner or later, the animal's going to mess up. But sometimes you don't have the luxury of waiting for the animal to mess up. Sometimes you just have to make a move. So until next week, I'm just going to say let's patiently wait till Thursday, but then we're going to bust a move. Catch you guys later.